That was a really, really cool video, guys, and I'm glad you can all be here. Uh, if this is your first time here, my name is Ricardo, and I'm one of the pastors here. And, um, and just if this is your first time here, one, it's the best Sunday to be able to come here, because if you ever wanted to know what we're about, you'll get an opportunity to experience it through the videos, through the teaching as well, as how we sing and we worship together. Uh, I just have one quick announcement for us, and that is this upcoming Friday, there's going to be a concert that all of Redemption, all of our congregations are hosting. Um, it's John Mark McMillan, and he's a, a songwriter um, and a singer, and, and he will be here for that. Um, if you guys are not familiar with John Mark, Millen, Mark McMillan by name, um, you are familiar with him by his music because we sing a lot of his songs here. It's going to be a great opportunity to be with people, uh, part of the whole church here um, with Redemption. And so if you want information about that, just go to uh, redemptionaz.com and you can purchase your tickets. I believe they're about 15 bucks. And so hope to see you guys there next Friday. Uh, second, when it comes to the picnic that we're having after this, you guys can go immediately from here to Kiwanis and the food will be getting served um, on time and, and a lot of food there. So we hope to see you guys there. We have one more service after here. And so feel free to hang out afterwards. Just know that someone's probably going to double park you. Um, so you might be here again for the next service. Um, all right, here's what we've been doing. Um, we had an 8 o'clock service, which we learned. We will never do an 8 o'clock service for our regular Sunday services. Um, we tried, and we're like, maybe this would be, nope, it's not going to happen, all right? So we're going to continue with 9.30 and 11. Uh, but we have an opportunity today with our theme, as you've noticed so far, is God's grace in the past, God's gra- grace in our present, and looking forward to God's grace in our future. And so with doing that and highlighting that, um, we are excited to be able to bring on stage with you guys Justin Anderson. And before I bring him up on stage, some of you don't know Justin. Justin started this church here seven years, or excuse me, ten years ago. It's a ten-year anniversary, not the seventh. Um, <laughs> Ten years ago, he started this church and, um, and just been a good friend of ours, good friend of people here, very instrumental by God to be able to, uh, in the life of ministry, in the life of people's actual lives. And so we're glad to have him here. So would you guys put your hands together for Justin Anderson as he comes on stage? <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, before we tell all the, the really cool stories, I know, I know the real reason why we pushed the anniversary back is because you wanted to be at that game last night. Tell me about that. You're welcome. <laughs> so so uh, we had the opportunity. We're not just going to talk about the game? No, we're going to okay. talk about it. We had an opportunity to be able to get, uh, I had the opportunity to be able to get Justin and Garth, who was our worship leaders here today, uh, pregame sideline passes. And as soon as we got on the sideline before the game, David Robinson, who, it's okay to mention, I think he's a Christian. David Robinson, um, the admiral, steps on the field, and we're like, we should take a picture with him. And so we were able to take a picture with him. Then this bully guy that used to play on my team that was a bully when I played shows up and just, just does a bully move, and we take the picture. He jumps in the picture with us, and unfortunately, one of our friends, Garth, wasn't able to be in the picture. We got the picture. Uh, on, and there's Garth's me. on my left. Yeah. If yeah, you can, if you can see. Yeah, and there, there's the allegedly, bully. and then there's the admiral. By the way, he's the guy next to Justin, just in case you didn't know. But not, not to, we, we love Garth, and we know how much you know Garth's wife went to, to to Notre Dame, and so we got a picture of Garth with the leprechaun. <laughs> and so we're excited about that. Thank you, Garth. We appreciate you and. Whatever you said, whatever devil you got onto the leprechaun, you squelched his, uh, his, uh, his luck. We appreciate that. Thanks a lot. All right. It was a good day to be a Protestant yesterday. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> so we didn't get a chance to do that at the eight because six people were here, and so we waited for you guys. Um, 
So give us, give us, you, you, you're in college, you graduate college, you're doing ministry in San Diego, and then you're going to plant a church in Tempe. Give us why and how God moved in the beginning and you starting this church here in Tempe. Yeah, um, there's a couple of really good reasons, and then the, there was some motivation. I was 25 at the time, so an idiot, as all 25-year-olds are. And, uh, and so there was a bunch of, like, we didn't know what we were doing and all, all that kind of stuff. But the, the singular piece that, I mean, we had a great situation in San Diego. Loved the church I was at. Good, good, I mean, San Diego, San Diego. Uh, and there was a, a deep and abiding desire in me. Because I went to high school here in Tempe at Corona del Sol and, and um, Valley Christian. And uh, there was a desire in me to come back to Tempe uh, to see a church change Tempe. Whatever that meant in my 25-year-old head, uh, my desire was, was to build a church, to have a church that um, when people had been gone from Tempe for a while and came back would say, something's different. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I can't put my finger on it, but something is, is different here in Tempe, and I wanted to be a part of that. That's good. So give us, if we talk about God's grace in the, in the past, give us some evidence of grace as you could just... Uh, kind of reflect upon the first two to four years in the life of the church. Yeah, the biggest evidence of grace is that it worked, right? Like that, there was so much. I, did I mention before I was 25? I, I mean, it was, and I was the old one besides my dad. And uh, it, 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 nothing made sense. Nothing, none of the decisions we made made any sense. We were in 13 different locations in our first six years, bouncing around all these different places, these crazy old Baptist churches, where we were moving ferns before service and putting the ferns back or else the old ladies were all over us about the ferns and, <laughs> and, and just, I mean, just crappy buildings. We, you know, the buildings would flood. And I remember like pushing water out of the church, out of the sanctuary, like before service, cause it had flooded. And it was just, it was just nuts. And so I think back to things that I said and things that we did and Garth's hair and, and I just go, how, how, like evidence of Jesus existing was church growth with that hair. And so it was just, it, I mean, that I, I, I somewhat make light of it, but I mean, it was just, it was six years of craziness and, and what are we doing and how are we doing it and trying to figure it out and probably bad decisions that, that God just moved through. And so the biggest evidence of grace is, is this, like that, that now 10 years later, uh, anyone remembers any good came out of those first couple of years. That's good. So as you reflect, um, as someone who's around, um, comes back to visit, has family, good friends that are here, um, as you reflect upon the life of our church now, where do you see evidence of God's grace like now? Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a feel. Um, as I've come back now, we've been gone two and a half years, and uh, I, we've come back half a dozen times or so. There's a sense in which um, this church is, is, is growing up, you know. Uh, there's, there's more gray hair. There's less hair overall. Uh, <laughs> there's, uh, it, and, and I know at times it still, I'm sure, feels young. And, you know, I mean, you're 10, right? You're still the gangly thing. But we were just pooping our pants, you know, in that phase. And so, uh, so that's growth. Um, <laughs> And, and you can feel it, you know, you can, I can, I can sense it like, like the things that matter really matter and, and the way that you guys lead and the, 
the, the strength of the community, the value that you put on the things that matter and the lack of value you put on things that don't matter. It, just, it feels like you, you went to the next step. And, and that's, man, that's, that's all I could dream for. So it's, that's a huge evidence of grace to me that it didn't, nothing got stuck in neutral, nothing went backwards. It, it went forwards beyond what I could have hoped for. Good. So last question, um, as you, we look into the future and all that God has done, what he's doing and what he would do, what would you be your prayer um, as a good friend, as a good friend of mine, a good friend of the church, what would be your prayer for us? For better or for worse, in, in those early years, we had some things that, that really mattered to us. Uh-huh. And, and one of the things I'm, I, I'm most proud of that, that we were able to kind of cling to is just like a few things we just really valued that no matter what anybody else said or did, like th- these things just mattered. And they didn't always contribute to growth. Sometimes they slowed growth down. Sometimes they didn't. You know, I had mentors and people going, are you sure you want to do that? But they were... There were just these things we clung to, and at times they felt like anchors, keeping us from drifting. Uh, at, at times it, it was the foundation that we built upon. And, and so when I think about those things specifically, um, there was a sense, and, and I think when we were just getting started, there was a, a naive, sometimes arrogant sense, but I think the heart of it was good, that we just we had convictions about, about the kind of church we wanted to build. Um, things like the liturgy that that really Garth led that that charge, and that felt like that felt like something real and substantive um, in a in a church environment that feels at times like it's chasing the next thing. Like th- there were some things like, man, we just want to build a church that that matters, that is that is significant and substantive, and, mm-hmm. and liturgy was a piece of that. Preaching through books of the Bible was preach was was a piece of that. Um, just, just like the stuff that we go, man, we're going to do a whole bunch of stuff, a bunch of events. Some stuff's going to be cool. These videos are amazing. But at the end of the day, like, we've got to be able to hang our hat on these meaningful, important, depth, you know, theological conviction. Um, and I remember uh, in, I think, 09, when the, uh, there was an article written, written about us in the Arizona Republic, and we were on the front page. It was just like this coming-of-age moment, it felt like, for us. There was, they had done a bunch of interviews with people in the church, and one consistent answer um, came back that people had said, it's like, practice feels raw, it feels real, it feels, now we would use the buzzword authentic, but it was like, we just, we just, like, built the church from our heart, and, and the things that mattered to us spilled out into what mattered to the church, and so I think my prayer and hope for the church going forward is that those things that that have made Praxis the kind of place that those testimonies are spoken of and that so many of us love and care for that when I come back that, you know, it takes everything in me to not just come up here and weep and uh, for joy and sadness and love and um, those are the things that, those are the things that matter. You know, those are things that we clung to and cling to. And when I look backwards, I go, gosh, I'm so glad we just did those things and and never let them go. Good. Well, we pray that that will continue uh, as we go forward. Would you guys do me a favor and let's uh, pray with Justin, pray for Justin, um, and and just thank him for his ministry. Would you guys uh, go ahead and bow your heads and pray with me? 
Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for all that you've done in this church and all that you are doing. And, and God, pray towards those things that Justin mentioned, the convictions, Lord, primarily of your son Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit. Um, for without whom, Lord, we, 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 we could play things, but we couldn't really do things in your name. Um, God, I pray, Lord, for a conviction, Lord, for your word, a conviction to pour ourselves out for the poor and the under-resourced, Lord, as we move forward, God. Um, God, that our eyes would be open and our, and, and our ears would be open, Lord, to the things in which you are saying and the things in which you are revealing to us, Lord, as your people. Um, God, we thank you for the, a great day to be able to celebrate you. God, we thank you, Lord, for all the things that will happen after the service and all the friends and family and people that we get to meet or uh, see and, and be around. And we just pray for your covering and your hand upon that, God. Uh, we, we thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus and all that you continue to do. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Will you guys thank Justin again? All right, we're going to continue in our service. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians. We will be taking a break off of Romans today, and we'll come back over the next two weeks and finish that. Uh, one of the things Justin said is that we will preach through books of the Bible. Uh, we, we haven't preached through books of the Bible since he's left. We've just been preaching through a book, and uh, eventually we'll get back to books, plural. So if, right now, if you guys have a Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand, and then keep it raised really high. And then one of the guys will be able to, or one of the gals will be able to hand out uh, a Bible for you. We're going to just look briefly this morning uh, at, a, at a text and then kind of retell the story that we have here of Tempe. And then we'll continue to uh, respond and then be able to sing and then get us over to the park. Um, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. I'm going to read the, verse, the verses we have for us this morning. Paul says, we give, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. This is the word of the Lord. Um, one of my professors said, if you, you could never, he says, I will never trust anybody uh, who was going to tell me where the church should be going if they could not first tell me where the church has already been. Ray, Ray Bakke says that, and what he's talking about is the history of the church, of God's church in the world, of all ages and all times. He goes, we, we shouldn't know where we should be going unless we know first if you can tell me where we've been. And I believe you can take that same principle and you can apply it to our local context and to our local community. And so if we're ever going to look and say, um, what is God doing or what should we be praying for, for God to call us to um, in the future and his grace in our life, we first have to go back and say, okay, what has God already done? How has he already moved? What are the things that God has been doing in our church and our past? What is God up to now and the body of believers in which he has before us? Then we'll be able to, with some clarity, to be able to pray into and leading to and follow Jesus as we continue to grow as a church in Christ and be ministers to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so Paul, Paul um, now talks to this church in um, Thessalonia, uh, Thessalonica. And what I love about it is Paul is writing back to this church, and he says a few things that I would love to say to you as your pastor. And the first thing that he says is, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Um, just saying thank you to you guys. As simple as that is. And, and I say that for this reason. Oftentimes, at best, what you'll get is people will think um, whoever the pastors were, whoever the preacher guy was, maybe the worship leader, um, but not the people. 
And the reality of it is the church is always a people. That the gospel goes forth, the Holy Spirit calls and draws people to Jesus, and those people's lives begin to be changed, to be transformed. And we've been able to see that in, in our history of our church. And just as a pastor on behalf of everyone who's ever been an elder, everyone who's been a pastor here, thank you. Thank you. Because if we did this and no one believed in the gospel and no one trusted in Jesus and no one followed, we wouldn't have a church. There would, we wouldn't be here celebrating 10 years anniversary. We'd be going, we tried. <laughs> it was good. Right? That would be it. No videos, no stories, but we've seen God work. And so first and foremost, I want to start by saying thank you. And then what I want to also be able to do is just kind of say, what, what has God done? What, what has God been, been able to do in our life? Well, here's what we have here. Um, Justin mentioned those 13 places, and I got this from Jason Raber uh, a while back. All this, the seven places, um, basically seven places with multiple places in between of where we've been. And so I've been able to take seven of those places to be able to try to tell the story. And hear me, the buildings and the places where we met don't tell the story. It's the people. It gives us a symbol of what God has done and what God is doing. And so if you guys give me just the, the, the privilege to be able to walk you through this. So the first place was Tim and Sherry's house. Um, the great place to start a church. And Tim and Sherry's house, right? And Tim has been an elder here from day one. He's Justin's father. He's kind of our father. It goes Father Abraham and then Father Tim. And it's amazing to have him. It's amazing to have him. So 11 people were in that, in that, that first meeting. If you were part of that 11, go ahead and raise your hand right now. One, two, three, four. All right. There's a few. They're all over here. And they're all last name whose hands are raising are Anderson and then one Prig and one Raber. All right? So... Second place, ASU Theaters, and J- J- Justin, or excuse me, Jason said, make sure you put multiple, because there were many that we met in. How many of you guys are part of those ASU Theater days? Oh, a few more, a few more. All right, the third place, when many people start to come, is on 10th and Ash, and there's a series of cross point one, or excuse me, cross points. This is cross point one. How many of you guys are part of that, 10th and Ash? The first time I showed up to the praxis, what I loved about that is that there was a parallel between my walk with Christ and when the church started. Um, I became, I, I didn't become a Christian in 2004 when the, church, uh, when the church was planted, but I had just started asking the questions as a senior in college. What, who was God? What did he mean? And mainly, what was I going to do with Jesus? Um, after becoming a Christian, I came to Praxis, and there was about maybe 30 to 40 people in this service, max. The next week, I brought five friends with me, and I just remember Evan and, and Jason and Rick Priggy getting out extra chairs because there was five extra people that were going to be here, right? I, I think Jason sat on Rick's lap, and then just so that somebody else can see it, it was amazing, right? Just a fun time. But the highlight of that, my highlight of that was that Sherry Anderson, Justin's mom, who again is still here, stood out in the front, and she hugged everybody who was coming in. Everybody who came in. And I am not a touch person. Like, I believe, like, my love language with, with touch only works with my wife and my kids. But, however, I, I look forward to that. I would tell my friends when you come, hey, there's going to be this lady here. Trust me, she's going to hug you. It's the best hug you'll ever receive. You'll feel loved. <laughs> How did you come to know Jesus? Sherry's hug. I hugged her, and I thought, take me now, Lord. Right? <laughs> So this morning, as I always do, whenever I'm going to share an illustration about my wife, I ask her, hey, can I share this? I went into children's ministry early this morning, 6.30, Sherry's in there serving, and I said, hey, Sherry, I'm going to share this, this illustration today about you, about you giving hugs. Is that okay? You know what she did? She gave me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I got saved again. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> so the fourth place we have here is Beckon University, cross point two. Hands there. More. Um, fifth place. Movie theater. Who was a part of the movie theater days? <laughs> Everybody on this side of the room. 
I went to one service at the movie theater, and I think Justin preached the best sermon he's ever taught. I just didn't hear it because the seats were kind of putting me to sleep. It was a weird place. They got out of there real quick. Sixth place, Ruling Southern, uh, cross point three. There. All right, now we got some more people here. All right, finally, seventh place, the promised land, here in this building. How many of you guys have ever been a part of the church here? All right, that's right. Even the people who are here for the first time are going, I made it. All right. I'm in the history. You are. We'll have a video of you next time. All right. So you have all these different places. And what's fun about that is, especially the further you go back, the more you raise your hand, you have stories. You have ways in which you've seen God move. And, and even me, who were at the part of the church earlier, left and then came back, I just have these vivid imageries of what, what Justin was talking about, of the types of people that, that God was drawing to the church. People who had been away from church. Um, who had been away from God, who had maybe heard about God at some point, were beginning to hear the gospel for the first time. And people who met their spouses here, that there are many people who are going, if it wasn't for this church starting and God's grace moving this church, I would have met this person who I'm married to. There are many here who are saying, if it wasn't for that, not only would I not have met my spouse, I wouldn't have had this beautiful child or children that I have. That there are people who are saying, um, I'm hoping for those same experiences that you just said to happen for me, right? There are, I hope the next 20 years, I'm like, yes, I can be in that video. So there's a reality of, of God's grace working through in the past. And there's more and more stories. There's funny stories. There's sad stories. There's the stories of people who can say, you know, actually some of the worst things in my life happened while I was a part of this church, but the church has come alongside of me. There's some people who can say some of the greatest experiences in my life happened because of the church. And hear what I'm saying. It's not just the functions of the church. It's not just taking communion and preaching and singing songs. It's you all. And, and, and as, we, as we look at where we are now and the present, and especially look at the past two years, the past three years, and what we've seen God do, J- Justin mentioned that ideal of maturing and, and growing up. The reality of it is that that has happened physically. I mean, just the amount of how many babies have been birthed into our, communi- our, our congregation has been insane. Um, the amount of marriages, I believe right now, currently, I have six premarital uh, couples that I'm meeting with now that are getting married at the next year. If I have six, that means Ryan Arneson probably has 12, and Tim probably has 50, all right, so, because he's usually doing all the premarital. I mean, people are getting married. They get married, and then all of a sudden, out comes these little slimy things called babies. We raise them, right? And it's just been this, this like, the life of the church has been absolutely amazing. And then one of the biggest decisions and one of the biggest things we could do is finally purchase a building that we can no longer get ran out of. And one of the, the, the decisions in that was we didn't just want a building in which we could just worship in, but how could we use facility and space to be able to be a blessing to that city? That, that vision of saying what Justin said, being in Tempe and having a desire to see Tempe changed. That is something that we believe, that we believe first and foremost, our primary mission is targeting Tempe. Targeting in the city of Tempe. Now, we understand that there's people who commute in from other, other cities, and we're okay with that. But we're saying we believe that God has called us here in the name of Jesus and the power of the gospel to see transformation happen. And part of that is saying, what if a church was able to have facilities to be able to meet for themselves and then use those facilities for the greater good of the city? And so because of the campaign that we're a part of, and we're about halfway through another 500000 to raise over the, next, uh, over the next year and a half to get done with that, to have complete ownership— we have two charter schools that are meeting here. 
We have an after-school program uh, for the city of Tempe that meets here. We have an autistic program that's able to meet here, several ministry and organizations that are able to meet here, several artists that are able to use the space to do their art and be able to do the things and make beauty for our city. There's, there's many things that are happening here. There's ministry that's happening here that is outside of our church. There's organizations that are meeting here that is outside the followers of Christ that we say we really want to be here for it to be a blessing to the city, and we've been able to do that, and I don't even believe at all that we've been able to scratch the surface. And this is not some rah-rah speech to say, well, we're, we're going to go beat Notre Dame. That happened already. <laughs> right? This is this, 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 this old stuff. <laughs> the, the reality of it is, it is scratching the surface. We are only 10 years in. We are just maturing. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. But I believe there's two things, guys, that have always been in this church, that are now, and that will always be. In fact, if they're not, we're no longer a church. And we should shut the doors, and we should sell it to another church, or give it to somebody else who can do it better than us. And those two things are mentioned here in this letter from Paul. And the first thing is the clear preaching of the gospel and teaching of the gospel. It's the clear, constant, consistent preaching of the gospel. And number two is the response to that gospel. That when we present the gospel, and not just me preaching, but us to each other, to our own hearts, that we begin to share it with the people in our lives, the people whom we work with, that we believe that there is power in that, that there's power in the name of Jesus, and then the response to that, that we begin to live that out. And you heard it in the video, being able to apply it to every area of our life, that we begin to think about, God, what are you going to do in your new heavens and your new earth and restoring Tempe, and how can we be a part of seeing that happening? What are you going to do in banking, and how can we be, see that happen? What are you going to do in education, and how can we see that happen? What are you going to do in arts, and how can we get jobs and see that happening? How, how can we live out your mission through us? The preaching of the gospel and the response of the gospel. Here's how Paul says it here in verse 4. After thinking this church, he says this, For we know brothers loved by God. That we know loved by God, he says, that he has chosen you. Here's why he says, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power, uh, in the power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. He says, here's what we know, that you were loved by God. We know that you were chosen by God. Not because of any, not any, any doctrinal truths that you know already. He didn't say because of how many Bible verses that you've memorized. He didn't say how many services, how many buildings, none of that. He says, here's how we know, here's what matters most. That when the gospel came to you, our gospel, he says, man, it came to you, you believed in it. You believed in the truth of the gospel. And it came to you in power and in the Holy Spirit, meaning it began to actually work. It began to be tra transform your lives. It began to be poured into the lives in which you live. And those two things are massive. Those two things are important to us. And so as we look at God's grace in the past, as we look what God's doing now and our present, and we look to the future, is that we will hold an unwavering commitment to the truth of Jesus Christ, to the truth of the love of our God for us, loved by God, because the only thing that will bring about transformation, the only, the only way that people will come back to Tempe and say, this thing has changed, is not by our strength and our might. It's by us responding to the love of God. And I never want to presume that we understand the gospel, that when we say the gospel, we're not just talking the forgiveness of sins. We're talking about God's wonderful beauty and creation in which he created to be with us. That God created this world not just because he had time on his hand, but because he wanted to share his love with us. And that even in us and our rebellion or sin or separation or fall away from him, that God desired to be with us. And he wanted to be with us in a material world. But here's the deal what sin did. Sin left us here in a material world, but without understanding God and a relationship with God. But here's the love of God and the good news, is that he sent his son Jesus to reconcile, to restore that relationship between us and God. 
and the promise through his death and his resurrection to restore all of creation, all of land, and more particularly, all of the people in Tempe and the places in Tempe, and that we now, by faith in Jesus, being loved by the Father, that we get a chance to be a part of what God is doing, and we believe that is our role as we preach that gospel and we respond to that gospel. It hits us both individually, personally, that we weep and we cry because we know the brokenness in our own heart and that God loved us and that we are more valuable than we can ever imagine because the cost and the length that he went. And then it hits us corporately because we say our God is up to something and we get to participate in everything that we do and every say, everything that we say, we get to fulfill his mission. And, 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 and he says it comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I love about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit's primary role in our life is pointing us to Jesus. And pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to the love of the Father. And that love of the Father, when Paul says that you, loved by God, that you believe this gospel, this good news, the motivating factor of our life, what drives us is understanding who you are loved by God. Not just your forgiveness of sin, that's a part of it. That's a means in which God used to draw you to himself and a relationship with God of love and to motivate you and compel you by that love, the love of the Father. So I want to close with this illustration this morning when it comes to how we are, have been raised by God, how we will continue to be grown by God um, as we look to the future that I believe the biggest stage for us next, guys, the biggest stages is continue to strengthen marriages. Continue to strengthen marriages. A lot of new marriages, but strengthen marriages that are you. Grow in our parenting and understanding that what it means to be a parent. Um, um, and a bigger area is what we do with the under-resourced, the poor, and the marginalized in our community. Um, we have a lot, I would say majority of us are middle class people um, called by God, loved by God, but what are we going to do with many of these people in our, in our community? How are they going to get in the seats that are open next to you and how are we going to minister to them and how are we going to allow them to minister to us as well? That, 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 that's something we need to grow in. That doesn't happen first and foremost if we don't understand that we're loved by God and loved by the Father. The motivating part of why we do this is the love of the Father. There was a guy that um, I heard speak, and he was this guy from Texas, and he was talking to a bunch of athletes, and he was teaching the love of the Father, the very heart of the gospel, us being welcome to God's family, and it changes everything. And he talks about how he played football at Baylor, Baylor, and he was a quarterback in like the 80s or something, and they had never beat uh, Texas. And this guy already had this issue with talking because he, he had a stuttering problem, and yet he was a preacher. It was pretty actually anointing, to be honest with you. And he, the way he talked, he would stutter, and he would kind of go, 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 and he couldn't get it out. And finally he said, hey, just hold on. Trust me, when it comes out, it's going to be something good. <laughs> it was just like really good, right? So he tells his story how they're playing, Baylor's playing against Texas. And the freshman year, he goes, they beat us 60-3. to three. And then my sophomore year, they beat us like 58-3. to three. We had never scored a touchdown. He goes, finally, my junior year, it's 10 seconds to go. We throw a touchdown pass. Our guy catches a touchdown. And the game's over, and we scored a touchdown. We lost 40-7, to seven, right? <laughs> and then he gets to his senior year. And his senior year, he says he drives his team down to score the game-winning touchdown, throws the pass, guy catches it. They beat Texas for the first time um, and, in his career. And he says he goes to the locker room, celebrates with his team. He walks out of the locker room, and he says there's his dad. And his dad runs to him and gives him this huge bear hug and looks him in his face and says, son, I love you, and I'm proud of you. This is the greatest day of my life. Says, but then the next week, we play TCU, and I'm in the same situation. And we needed to kill the clock because we didn't have any timeouts. And I was, in football, what you do, they kill the clock, you take the snap, and you just, you just down it, right? And you get another down. You lose that down, but you have another down. However, he thought it was third down, but it wasn't. It was fourth down. So he kills the clock and realizes he has no more downs, and he just lost the game for his team. 
She's the worst day of my life. She goes, I go in the locker room. I'm about to look at my teammates and what a failure I am to them. I walk out of the locker room, and there's my dad. And he goes, you know what my dad did? My dad ran to me. He lifted me up, gave me that same bear hug, and he looked me in the face as he always did. And he says, son, I love you, and I'm proud of you. That's, that's the love of the father. That, that when God sent Jesus, he was doing, um, in some ways, what we do to our kids. When I, when I really want to communicate with my kids, I don't yell, I don't scream. I say, Noah, Eli, come here. And I get with them right here, and I pull them in close so their eyes can see mine. What God was doing in the gospel through the work of Jesus was pulling every single one of us by the power of the Holy Spirit, by faith in Jesus, close to say, hey, I love you, and I'm proud of you. He said, I didn't do anything. You didn't have to do anything, because that's exactly what Jesus did. That the love of the Father is not based upon our performance. When we talk about the gospel and it hits us at the heart, it's acknowledgement that we did not deserve that love, but God so desperately desired to give it to us not based upon our performance, but solely on his love for us. We just accept his acceptance of us. Amen? What will propel us to being people who reach the city, people who understand the transformation of the city, who build strong marriages, who understand what it means to be single and the, for the glory of God, who understand what it means to pour ourselves out for the under-resourced, who understand what it means to reach out and be an eclectic, diverse church to all sorts of nations and tongues? It happens first and foremost, realizing that we are loved by the Father, that we were loved by the Son, that we were loved by the Spirit, and welcomed into the family of God. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me?